0: One thing is absolutely certain in life and that is the insecurity we all harbor in our hearts at one time or another. The insecurity. Insecurity. Uh, to one degree or another, all of us have walked through or may have to walk through this. Uh, insecurity is... One of those emotions that seem to happen without much warning as we wade through the ups and downs, the hills and the valleys of life, who haven't seen pictures of young ladies uh, that want to be uh, accepted with the group, so much so that they're willing to uh, make their faces look like clowns. Or the young man who wants to grow his muscles uh, so quickly and so much that he is willing to inject himself with something like steroids so he can be big. But wait a minute. Uh, Insecurity, however, is not just limited to the young. It's also for you if you are not young. Insecurity may take a swipe at you when you go grocery shopping (laughs) and you get all these groceries in your basket and then you make it up to the cashier, you dump everything on that belt and then things start to register and ring and then you suddenly remember, I wonder if I have enough money to cover all. Yet some of us may say, you know, those things, they don't bother me. You know, I, you know, I kind of take it as it goes. You know, if that, if that happens to me, I'm not, that doesn't make me insecure. Now, those are just small matters. Well, insecurity also emerges when we have concern over our children's grades. Right? And as parents, so you know how it is. You want your children to do well uh, because you think that if your children, if they do well, then that makes you look smart. I'm just being honest. So when your kids are not doing well, you know in the back of your mind, everybody's going to think that it's me. I'm, I'm the big dummy in the house. Then what about your salvation? How insecure do you feel about your salvation when you missed a mark in life? When you know that you should have said something and you didn't? Or you told a lie. Then I have to see Pastor Spencer on Sunday. In the back of your mind, you got this issue going on. I wonder if I'm saved because I can never, ever seem to get over the hump here. The things that make us feel insecure, uh, the list is very long. Insecurity can do damage to our health by making our stress levels surge out of control while raising our blood pressure. So in the series that we're going to begin today, we're going to spend several weeks walking through the various facets of insecurity and how to respond to insecurity in a way that is both biblical and honors the Lord. So, what exactly is insecurity? It is the act of not being sure or confident in something or someone. Insecurity is often related to either your future or in some sense your current situation whether it is real or imagined you become insecure when a situation or a person makes you feel uh, like uh, there's going to be wobbleness you're going to wobble that you're not going to be able to hold things up listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 94 verse 17 If the Lord had not been my help my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence when i thought my my foot slips your steadfast love o oh lord held me up <laughs> When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. You see, the psalmist cries out in Saul that he had reached a point in which issues in life had become so unnerving that he thought it was all over. He thought that he is done. I'm done. I'm done. This is it. The message says this this paraphrase same passage, if God hadn't been there for me, I never would have made it. The minute I said, I'm slipping, I'm falling, your love, God, took hold and held me fast. When I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. The psalmist believed that he would soon be in the land of silence. You know what the land of silence is, right? Right? It's Six feet under, ten feet under. That's the land of silence. Some situations seem so dire that it may begin to persuade us into adopting thinking that's not even ours. The voices say, you're not going to make it out of this one. You've made it out of a lot of them, but this one, you're not going to make it. That voice says, no matter how hard you try, You're done. You're done. You might as well just go jump off of a building somewhere. You're done. These are moments of insecurity. Insecurity in the Old Testament is an action which means to slip, to totter, to quake, or to shake. In other words, that it creates, begin to create, Random motion, so much to the point that you know something is going to fall. So if I had something like this book here, and I place everything that I had here, and I fill it, and it feels strong. Oh, there's a little movement, but I'm okay. And this is me, and I get here. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay as long as everything is together. But as soon as life starts to do this, then we're like, well, okay, there's a a little something-something going on. Then it gets a little bit wobbly, right? Back and forth. Sometimes a situation gets so tough that we really don't know whether or not if we're going to be able to hold on. So in our minds, we're thinking that life is insecure, that I feel like I'm about to fall. I feel like my foot is about to slip. It's also very interesting that the same word for uh, insecurity, uh, the word that we have in view here was also viewed as the yoke bar for an animal. So if you were a farmer and you had land to be tilled and you had that yoke bar on the the neck of the animal, one thing that you know uh, about that yoke bar That that yoke bar, it's very interesting, that it would shake because the ground would shake, but it would never let that animal go. That that yoke bar, no matter how much that it shook, no matter how much that it moved, that that yoke bar kept that animal under control. That the yoke bar, think about it, that you don't put a yoke bar on an animal that's wild. You put a yoke bar on an animal that has been broken and that submits. Think about it for a moment. A yoke bar used for a submissive and a broken animal. So after the animal has been broken, its master understands that control must be had at all times, else the animal would remember who they were and break loose and do whatever it wants to do. Just like us, we feel free. And we know that we are free. Yet, the yoke bar of insecurity, it keeps us under control. It keeps life shaking, but it keeps us under its hand. Feeling helpless and at the mercy of some kind of external force in our life. But insecurity hits us in all types of ways. Either suddenly or over a period of time. In a TV show called The Middle, it depicts this family. And I saw this episode where there was this, uh, the daughter of this family, that she was awaiting to receive her acceptance letter into college. She had uh, put out many applications, and she was waiting to receive that application. But while she waited, all of a sudden, her friends received their letters. They said, look, Sue, i got accepted to so-and-so-and-so. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the back of her mind, she felt insecure. And then another one of her friends, they received their letters. Said, Did you hear about so-and-so? She's like, yeah, that's great. That's great. And then finally, this young lady, Sue, she received her, her, her first letter, and it was No. And then she received her second letter. And it was like, well, we're just going to put you on a waiting list. It's like, what do you do? In those very moments when you're waiting to hear any kind of news, it can drive you absolutely crazy. Because you wonder about your future. You feel insecure. How about waiting for the doctor to call you with the results of some medical test? Or waiting to see if you have gotten approval for a home loan. You see, everything seems okay until you have to wait. Possibly for some disturbing news which causes a great amount of insecurity. It causes us distress because we want the news of the results. We want it all to go our way, right? But yet we realize the possibility of receiving the answer of no. We want to live this life where every turn we take is yes, 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 yes. But we understand that life doesn't always operate that way. See, life is okay until you have to wait. That possibility of not, uh, the, the news not going our way, that's the one thing we place our magnifying glass on somehow our attention it gravitates towards that negative possibility yes some good things can happen but in our minds, I wonder I wonder if it's going to happen I wonder if it's going to be good or not oh man what am I going to do but we're now going to move into an area of insecurity that directly relates to our own actions and our own mentality And here it is Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 the folly of self-direction Psalm Uh, Chapter 127, verses 1 and 2, Solomon writes, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved. What is that word? Sleep. It is an inadequate pursuit to build your life without involving God. (laughs) Say it again. It's inadequate. It is not enough for you to build your life if uh, if you do not involve the Lord. I know some of you may be saying, well, wait a minute. I do plenty uh, of activities and worthwhile causes uh, that don't involve the Lord and are plenty adequate. No, that's what you're saying. I do a lot of things. I helped an older lady cross the street the other day. I didn't involve the Lord. That was good. I went to school and I did my homework. I didn't involve the Lord. I just did it. And that was that. I understand the message that you're trying to convey. You're saying that you have helped many people or accomplished great things for your community or even for your country. I understand that. And I'm not saying that what you have done wasn't worthwhile. I'm not saying that. I think it's a good thing to help someone else. Amen? But I am saying that Scripture says that it is not good enough if you do not involve the Lord. It ain't good enough. It's not good enough key is to look at exactly what these two verses are saying. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, what? Labor in vain. What are you trying to build up in your life? It, b- it would be like trying to, uh, if you can imagine, think of a gift to give someone for their birthday or for Christmas, right? Uh, involving the Lord means that we have to invite his his, his divine and His purposeness in our life. We need His direction. So how do you do that? So when you give a gift for Christmas or for someone's birthday, one of the things we do first, we try to think about what? What they like, right? Or what they don't like. I remember one year, he's not here now, so he can't, uh, he can't make fun of me. Uh, one year, uh, I couldn't think of anything to give my father for Christmas. So I just hatched this great idea in my mind, and I said, I'm going to give him a pair of red, long underwear. It was a union suit. And I remember when he opened that gift, and he just laughed. And I just laughed with him. I just just thought it was cool. I said, you, you're older, and you're cool. And he's like, yeah, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, when we give gifts, you know, we have to have that person in mind. And what God is saying that when we live our life and we make decisions, God says, I want you to have me in mind. First, seek the Lord and his righteousness, right? And all these other things will be added. So how does this translate to our passage? It all starts by asking the Lord to guide us uh, through whatever process we are considering. Whether it is building a house, selecting a job, or guarding your home, it is all the same. Guess what? God wants to be involved in your life. God wants to be involved in your life. I know you say, well, does God want to be involved in my life when I go get a drink of water? I say, yeah. So do I need to pray, well, God, I'm about to get a drink of water. Can you help me? Well, you you can figure that out. You can figure that out. So insecurity, it begins, Uh, it begins to develop when we ignore our need to include the Lord in our plans. the watchman stays awake in vain, it is vain that you rise up early and and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives rest, he gives his beloved sleep. The psalmist uh, calls undertakings which do not recognize the sovereignty uh, and, and power of God, he calls it vanity, he calls it vain. This brings to mind Ecclesiastes when Solomon calls certain activities in life running after the wind or emptiness. Ecclesiastes 2.11. Specifically, Solomon says this, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, was vanity. And a striving after wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun, uh, under the sun so understand about solomon he had all the money right he had all the ladies and i am saying ladies right 900 of them man all the money all the la- all the wealth that any one person can possibly have and he says this all was vanity And a striving after wind. So if you can grab your hand, take your hand like this and grab hold to the air, then you got everything that you need. But all these things that we're searching for in life is just like trying to grab the air that at the end of the day, you're going to be disappointed because you're going to have nothing in your hands with you because you can't take nothing with you. So while the word vainness is different, from the uh, uh, the sentiment is exactly the same. Activity which does not recognize the holy God is all emptiness to its core. However, it's problematic for us because we don't see the wrath of God pouring down from heaven on us and we think that we're going to be okay. So when we make our decisions, when we buy all the junk that we have, right? Uh, at a later time we get all this junk, we end up throwing it away. Again, I have told you before, I remember, I remember all the stuff, all the stuff we've had in our house. Lord knows that it's now junk. It has graduated from, wow, this is really great. So this is okay. So now it's junk, and now. Uh, Half of that stuff is going in the garbage. And we have traveled from Chicago to Dallas, back to Chicago, and another place with the same old junk. And half of that junk is in the garbage now. So we paid somebody to take our junk from state to state to ultimately end up in the garbage. Solomon is saying that most of the things that we try to amass in life, if we don't involve the Lord, it's nothing but junk anyway. Why? Because God is going to give us the wisdom to help us to buy the right things. Right? Do you, uh, gentlemen, uh, gentlemen in the past and gentlemen in the future, Do you really need to buy your fiancé a $10,000 wedding ring? And we will be here for prayer for you when service is over with. And if you need a ride home, we'll give you a ride. Don't think everything is going to be fine, that it's all going to work out. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So in other words, what's happening in your life, that even though you may not be including the Lord in everything that you do, I want you to know that God is just being patient with you. God is is waiting on you, son, daughter. The Lord is saying that, you know what, Uh, you better take a look at this. It's kind of like if you've been part of our Wednesday nights we've been studying the Old Testament and we we saw how Israel as a nation how they operated in sin uh, for a long time and then uh, when you begin to operate in sin uh, God he sends his word to you eventually God says enough is enough so he sends his prophet right and if you're in Wednesday uh, Old Testament survey and after he sends a prophet is that it Oftentimes he does what? He sends what? Uh, Let's try it again. He sends what? Another prophet. And oftentimes he'll do what? Send what? Another prophet. Uh, You see, God doesn't want to see us destroyed. That's not God's purpose for us. God wants us uh, to be intimately involved with him. So where it seems like, you know, things have remained, uh, the same since all of time has begun. You understand that God is having mercy on you. Just because you have lived your life in all hell and living like a devil doesn't mean that God is not going to have his wrath on your life. Don't be a fool. I had a friend years ago that he would talk about church and I mean, and not, a, and not in a good way. He would talk about church all the time in a, in a very negative way. So all those preachers, this was before I was a preacher, so I, you know, it didn't matter that much to me. But I, I remember all the things that he would say. And he called himself all this and, and I'm that and all this other stuff. and I want nothing to do with the church. But somehow when he died, you know where, it, you know where he wanted his body? He wanted his body in church. Again, I do understand that some may not take the Lord into account of much of what they do and the way that they live, but I want you to know that God will call you to, into account. So we begin to reflect that maybe we would not uh, be in such of a big trouble uh, that we are today if we had listened more carefully to what we believe the Lord had been saying to us. Scripture tells us that rising up early, uh, going To bed late, anxiety, not getting good sleep. May all be signs of, here it is, insecurity. Insecurity. I can't get to sleep at night. What are you insecure about? What are you anxious about? I know you will tell me that this this is necessary for me to get my job done. If I don't stay up for for, for 25 hours, uh, that I'm going to be fired. Tell you a story about uh, there was a corporate executive, and uh, he was he was the head of uh, I think it was Apple's division U.S. for a period of time. He, so he wasn't he wasn't the head over the global thing. He was he was uh, uh, part of the uh, the U.S. He was in the, he was in the top notch. I'll never forget this. And he said in an interview that uh, uh, for the most part, he always made it home at five o'clock. And the first thing I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. How can you work for Apple and get home at 5 o'clock? We're talking about Apple, Apple. He says, and he happened to be a Christian, he says that he made time for his family. He says there was always, you know, there would be emergencies in which he did have to do that, but he understood that when everything, when that tree would finally get, get shook once and for all, that Apple is going to be gone, and hopefully his family is still going to be there. So he understood where his priorities were. So he said he went to bed at night. Yeah, sometimes he did have to travel, he says, but he went to bed at night. So one part of our insecurity may be of our own doing, that shakiness, the insecurity insecurity, instability uh, that we feel is possibly due to our refusal to truly recognize and follow the Lord in every aspect of our existence. Some people are so easily upset uh, because of their uh, fragile spiritual nature. But just the smallest thing will cause them to teeter-totter, teeter-totter, and just explore because they have not learned to anchor their soul in Jesus Christ. But you must know yourself and know whether or not insecurity has taken root in your heart. What are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid of? what is that one is it is it retirement? I understand that because I'm getting close another 30 years I'll be ready to, to be there. I understand that I get it. Is it about school? I know some of you young ladies uh, you may be accepted into school, but you may be thinking about you know once you get there I, Been there, done that too. I remember when I was going to high school, how afraid I was in high school. Brother Greg, he knows what I'm talking about. And and, and Brother Doyle, you know, going to this big old school with all these thousands of kids. I remember my very first day, and that bus, bus, it pulls up, and there's like hundreds of kids outside, and they're yelling. I didn't know there was a riot. I didn't know what was going on. And I did the only brave thing that any person could do. I stayed on the bus and I went down several blocks then I got off and I walked back like everybody else and then I saw them jeering all the freshmen fresh because all the freshmen began at the same time and someone later said I saw you I saw you on that bus what are you worried about seriously what keeps you up at night? What is that one thing? Uh, part of our freedom deals with confession before the Lord. But I want you to know I would not just leave it there for you to stew in. I would have you to do what Paul have us to do. Exchange your insecurity for peace. Exchange your insecurity for peace through prayer. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's our answer to insecurity. Our answer to insecurity is prayer. Prayer is a vital relational component between us and God to combat insecurity. If you heard the series or if you were here for the series on spiritual warfare, you heard how prayer was important for all believers in our requests and dependence on the Lord through times of this invisible war. So prayer is important for spiritual warfare, right? Prayer is also important for not having insecurity. So that should tell us that prayer is what in our life? Important. Prayer is important. But now insecurity and anxiety are in view because they cause that shakiness and great uncertainty in us. I know that we have talked a lot about prayer over the years and spent church time in prayer, but I know you may be wondering how it really works. How does prayer really work? When does God answer my prayer? Uh, You know, how does he figure that out? And I'm going to tell you uh, unashamedly uh, that I don't know. I don't know why he decides or how he decides or when he decides to respond to our prayer. But I do know this, that he responds to righteous prayer. And he does not hear the prayer of the ungodly. But why he answers in one moment and not in another is beyond my personal knowledge or comprehension. If I knew that, I would probably be God. But God does answer your prayers, so don't think that he doesn't. So here in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, Paul gives us this very help that we need in dealing with insecurity. He gives us the help that we really need. He says, again, be anxious for nothing. Another translation says, don't be afraid of anything. And I tell you, you can almost say, don't be insecure about anything. And We're going to help you. I'm going to help you today. And I want you to remember this acronym: GAT. GAT. G A T. GAT. And it's not "I got to go." It's not that thing. GAT. G A T. Very simple. Get to God. Ask God. And thank God. Get to God. Ask God. And thank God. First, we must be willing to get to God. This is the act and a willingness to place ourselves before our holy God in the name of Jesus Christ. Getting to God means you must humble yourself, and to humble yourself before him shows respect and honor. During this moment, uh, we must draw our hearts, our mind, our strength, and our soul towards the Lord as we direct all of our attention towards God. We must get to God. This is our prayer, getting to God. And I know sometimes we pray in the car or we pray in the store, but there are times in which we must silence all the stuff around us so we can focus solely on God. And So Paul says, get to God. Without drawing all that you are and directing it towards him, then you are doing nothing but taking the name of the Lord in vain you don't draw everything that you are towards the Lord, then you are taking the name of the Lord in vain. Yes, you are. That passage there in Exodus, those Ten Commandments, when it says don't take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, basically what it says is that when you worship God, don't lift up the name of God and then not pay his name any attention. Don't lift up God and then ignore Him. This simply will not work for you. So Paul says we must first humble ourselves before Him. Get to God. Next, ask God. What exactly are the things that are bothering you? Still in your sleeper way. If you need to make a list before you get to God, then make that list and go straight down the line. That can be very helpful. It may be helpful to read scripture where God listened to and honored the prayers of many men and women in the faith like Abraham and even Hannah. But know that you must ask the Lord, but also ask that your prayers would be in harmony with his will. You see, that's one of the easiest prayers to ask, if you know what God's will is in a certain area, and then you pray according to that will. For instance, God desires that people not perish, then when you pray for some who, someone who's not saved, you pray that they would not perish, then God is more likely to answer that prayer. Amen. What is it? What is it that God wants from you? Get to God. Ask God, and then finally thank God. This thankfulness of attitude should go along with the getting and the asking. You can thank him for what he has done because we know he has already done plenty for you. Amen? You could be in a position where you are thanking right now for a prayer. He's currently working in your life, even as we worship today. But also thank him for what he will do for you. Since we know that God is awesome, and and we know also uh, that he is in the the business of answering prayer, uh, then we thank God. Thank God for what you're doing in my life now. Oh, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the future. What is he going to do for you in the future? That he's going to provide you with a husband and or a wife that loves Jesus Christ. Is that your prayer, or do you just want anybody? I hope you hear what I'm saying. Do you want anybody, or do you uh, just just want uh, someone who loves Jesus Christ? Now that I know what I know, I'd rather be by myself than to be with someone that don't know Jesus. Now, if you happen to find yourself there because you were silly or you got saved later, that's a different story. But if you are right there, uh, you need to... Uh, start to chop off that thing because the longer you stay, the longer the possibility that you're going to be in a relationship that does not honor God. Listen to what I'm saying. So if you're spending your time in prayer, there's going to be no time for insecurity. You know that the longer that you stay in prayer, the more you focus on God, the more all that stuff becomes secondary in, in, in third place and fourth place and so on and so forth. Did you know that? How many of you have prayed long enough for a particular situation that when you finished praying that you felt like a burden had been lifted? Or how many times have you prayed when you felt like you, you, you've prayed so long and you felt like God was there that you felt like something actually broke? Has it ever happened to you? If it hasn't happened to you, I want to encourage you to pray Pray again, pray some more, pray again, double up, triple up, quadruple up on prayer until something breaks in the atmosphere. How badly do you want it? How badly do you want God to remove that insecurity from you so you don't have to walk around like this? So as soon as one person says one thing to you, ah, you, 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 you blow up, it is in this place a prayer that we find our comfort, and that God begins to answer us. We must get to God in prayer. Get to God. Ask God. Thank God. Earlier I told you a story about that character named Sue who was waiting her acceptance letter to college. Remember the one, it was a rejection the other. They put her on a waiting list. So what she and her parents, what they decided to do, they decided to take their minds off of it by doing other stuff. I think the father, he was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was singing in the car. He would get in the car, he started singing. They were shocked that he was singing. And he felt embarrassed when they found out he was singing. But when his wife asked him, why were you singing? He said, because it's the only way I can get my mind off. And his wife, his sweet old wife, when she would get the, the news, she would just tell her daughter that, well, honey, everything is going to be okay. And then she would go outside and start kicking stuff and throwing stuff. Why won't they accept my baby? I don't understand, or whatever she was saying, right? I don't get it. But see, God is not calling us to that. God is just not calling us just to sing, to take us, our mind off of stuff. He tells us, whatever it is, you take that thing and you give it to God. You don't even have to ignore it and say, oh, Lord, I'm in this place. I don't know how I'm going to get out. But I know that you have the answers. You tell the Lord, Lord, I am insecure. I am anxious. I don't know where to turn. I don't know if anyone can even help me. But all I know is that uh, you know everything. So, Lord, I am crying to you uh, in intercession for myself. Lord, will you get me out of this mess? And then after you've prayed for five minutes, you know what you do? You pray for five minutes more. Because I know some of you, you will pray for five minutes and say, well, that didn't do any good. Uh, Really, after about 10 15 minutes, now you're finally ready to start praying. You know, because a lot of times you know when you start praying, right? Lord, I want to thank you for my father, thank you for my mother, thank you for my brother, my sister, my cousin, thank you for my teacher, thank you for this, thank you for this. Lord, just protect everybody else. Done! You see, once we get all that out of the way, and I'm not saying that's unimportant because it is important, right? Then we begin to really check where our hearts are. Then we're able to really dig down in prayer and find out what's going on with us. Take your request to the Lord. Our scripture tells us to go ahead and tell the Lord about it and tell the Lord about it again. You ain't got to tear nothing up. Some of the difficulty we have is that, uh, again, we try to do the cutesy prayer. Can you pray for me? Oh, honey, in Jesus' name, everything gonna be all right. But again, that burden does not lift If you're insecure about something, about anything, spend more time in prayer, dedicated prayer, until the answer arrives. By doing this, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, right? I guarantee you that God will replace that insecurity with his peace. So when your best efforts in life are not good enough, you will live in security because they're not. My best efforts are not good enough. But we must understand that God, He provides the stability, He provides the anchor, He provides the